Good morning. It is a pleasure to be with you this morning. So it's great to be with God's people, worshiping, exalting Christ together. If you're a guest, welcome to First Baptist Church of Thibodeau. Um, I get the privilege of pastoring at this local congregation, in this local congregation, with this local congregation. Uh, and if you are uh, a member, know that we are praying for you guys, excited to see what God is doing in your lives, especially in this uh, new year, right? 2023. With that said, we're starting a new series this morning, which is on uh, biblical eldership and also on biblical deaconship. So we have four sermons that we will focus primarily in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3 will be our focal passage of scripture. And then uh, once we're done with that, we will vote on the 29th for uh, the three potential elders and also the one deacon that we uh, brought before you guys, the candidates that we brought before you guys. So uh, think deeply about this, pray, um, thankful for what God is doing in this church, that we have a plurality of elders, uh, we are moving toward, and we also have uh, several deacons, you know, um, that God has blessed us with. And uh, in February, we'll start another series titled uh, Church Matters, Church Matters. Um, and with that, we'll have uh, the three potential elders will be preaching here, uh, as well as with myself, I'll preach. Um, so the first um, lesson we're going to have, a sermon we're going to have is uh, why participate, why must I participate in the church ordinances in, in my local church? And Tony Lede will be preaching that. And the next is why should I covenant with my local church? And I'll be preaching that. Uh, and then Luke Setatal has why should I give to my local church, right? And then Jerry Revet will preach why should I serve in my local church. So excited about what God's going to do in the next two months here in our local church. So pray, pray for us as we prepare, pray for us as we preach, pray for us as we will be united in making decisions together. With that said, turning your Bibles to the book of 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we're focus on one verse this morning, one verse. When you've arrived, say word. Can you stand? We stand out of reverence to God's holy and righteous word. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Let's pray together. Father, speak to our hearts this morning. Open our minds this morning. Whatever views that we have, assumptions that we have, about eldership that is probably not right. I just pray that you would redirect our hearts and minds to see what scripture is saying to us. Allow us, God, to listen to the spirit of God, but also apply what scripture is saying. So be with us, Father. Teach us what we do not know. Make us what we are not and give us what we do not have. And God's people said, amen, amen. The title for today's sermon is A Noble Task. A noble task. Thomas Rayner is a researcher, an author, and currently he is the president and CEO of Lifeway Christian Resources. He wrote an article titled Autopsy of a Deceased Church. Right? I mean, it's just, even in the title, we can see something amazing here, right? 
autopsy of a deceased church. And in that article, he mentioned specifically of a church that he consulted with in 2023. The church basically in 1975, the church basically had over 750 members. But as time went on, the church went down to 83 members in the local congregation. Now, here in this church, we know numbers doesn't determine whether you're healthy or not. But in some situations, when you have a particular church like this, Thomas Rayner wanted to know exactly what was going on. How can you have over 750 and went all the way down to 83? Were, were people preaching the truth and, and others didn't like the truth? Well, it wasn't that. And he diagnosed the church and he gave multiple reasons as to what was the problem with the church. I just want to be able, for the sake of time, just give you a few of them. One in particular, he says, members became more focused on memorials than the gospel. So they were focused more on plaques, having their names on plaques. They, they were focused more on having a Christian flag on the stage or having the American flag on the stage, the color of the ca carpet, uh, what, what grandma and, and grandpa did for the church, and you can't remove it, what's in the nursery, the cribs, and all that kind of stuff. They were focused more on that than they were the gospel. He also says there were no evangelistic emphasis within the church. So they were not preaching to go out and share Christ. They're not praying to share Christ with your neighbors. There were no emphasis on evangelism at all. Third, he says the church rarely prayed together. As a matter of fact, the only prayer the church would ha had was whenever they would get up and the pastor would pray for just a particular church member who maybe was struggling with cancer or, or, or struggling with something in their lives. So it's a popcorn prayer. The pastor would pray for maybe just a minute, and that was it. But they never had time to pray together. And we know this in the New Testament. When a church prays together, God moves mightily, mightily. We can have all those programs. Friends, the most important thing is that we come together and we pray together. So they were not praying together. He also noticed that the church had no clarity as to why it existed. There was no vision, no mission, no purpose at all. Nothing. Nothing to galvanize the people to do the work of the ministry. Then, lastly, he said they had a lack of biblical leadership. In a period of 10 years, the church had seven pastors. And you know that sounds very familiar even in our denomination. Even in this church, we know that this church probably had over 23 pastors. And friends, that becomes a major issue. A major, major issue. So what do we do? What must we do? And I want to focus on the last one specifically, a lack of biblical leadership. We as a church must pursue what biblical leadership is according to Scripture, what Scripture tells us about a biblical leader. I love what John MacArthur mentions. Come in closer and pay close attention to John MacArthur's words here. The local church, like every other earthly dimension of God's kingdom, depends on its leadership. The strength, health, productivity, and fruitfulness of the church directly reflects the quality of its leadership. 
Biblical leaders set the pace. They do. If you have unbiblical leaders, immoral leaders, then you have a major problem in the local church. This was the issue with Hosea. Hosea, in chapter 4, verse 9, the Lord says, And it shall be like people, like priests. I will punish them for their ways and repay them for their deeds. <clears throat> Friends, the church at Ephesus in 1 Timothy chapter 3, they were struggling tremendously with a lack of biblical leadership. And Paul commissioned Timothy to set up elders and deacons in the church. The pastor's job is to protect the flock, to feed the flock, and to give oversight to the flock. And it's important for us as a church to pay close attention to the role of an elder, a pastor, and an overseer. The church at Ephesus, we notice that Paul was the, he planted the church, right? We see this in Acts chapter 20 and verse 31. He was there for three years. And the apostle Paul had elders that he put in place. But he left, and right before he left, he told them and warned them that false teachers would come and infiltrate the church. So be on guard, but they were not on guard. So what you found later on is that those guys who started off being godly leaders became very ungodly. And Paul sent Timothy to put all things, everything back in his place. And the first thing that Timothy was commanded to do was to approach the eldership. I believe here, Timothy had to remove guys who were disqualified in the, from the position of eldership and put guys who were qualified in the position of eldership. What a tough job. What a, what a very tough job. So now you have to go to pastors and say, hey, look, dude, you're no longer qualified to be a pastor. You need to step down. You're not doing this biblically. You need to step down. And this is what Timothy, as a young man, had to do. But nevertheless, he was faithful to do this. And I am so thankful for this book, as should you. But friends, this morning, I want you to observe two points within this passage of Scripture. One, biblical elders must aspire to the position of eldership. And two, biblical elders must be called by God to the position of eldership. So, two things I want you to un understand as we will dive deeply into this passage of Scripture. One, I am preaching to myself here and the potential elders and deacon. Two, this involves you as well. Even if you're not called to be an elder or a deacon, the qualifications here pertains to you. Every single one of those qualifications, with the exception of desire the position. But a husband of one wife, managing your household well, being above reproach, that's a qualification for every Christian. So don't check out. This is for you as well. Celebrate this text. Celebrate what God is doing. And the purpose of preaching this text is, is, is to do two things. One, so that you can look at the potential elders and say, man, do they have those qualifications so I can make my vote and, and I could affirm what God is doing in their lives. I could encourage them. I could encourage the deacon. I could encourage the elders. 
And the second thing I want you to do is to be very introspective in your own life and see what God is doing. So with that said, let's observe the first point. Biblical elders must aspire to the position of eldership. I love this. The Apostle Paul, this is the second time he uses his trustworthy statement in the book of 1 Timothy. There, there are five trustworthy statements in the book of Timothy, 1 Timothy. And I want to share them with you in first, uh, chapter 1, verse 15 is the first trustworthy statement. Chapter 3, verse 1 is the second. Chapter 4, verse 9. 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 11. And Titus, chapter 3, verse 8. So it's in the pastoral ministry or pastoral epistles, right? Five trustworthy statements. Each time, every time that he uses those trustworthy statements, it, it's, it's meant to introduce a truth, an important truth about ministry altogether. The statements here are tested over time. Statements that are truthful, reliable, and trustworthy. So in other words, this is Paul's way of saying to you, come in closer. <laughs> Pay attention to this. Don't miss this. This is his way of doing this. So, so we must pay a close attention to what the Apostle Paul is saying here. So he says, this is a trustworthy statement. And this trustworthy statement pertains to what? Biblical eldership. Biblical leadership in the local church. The ESV states, if anyone aspires, look in your own Bible. If anyone aspires to the office of an overseer. So... In the original language, this pronoun, anyone, is in the masculine form. In other words, if you look at other translations like the King James, New King James, NASB, doesn't use the pronoun anyone, but it uses the pronoun he, a man. If any man desires the office of an elder. In other words, don't miss this. An elder, pastor, bishop, or overseer must be a man. It's not a woman. A, a woman should not be a pastor based on what Scripture says. And here, here are several reasons why I need you to observe this with me and why this is important. Well, Kevin, uh, this is a new world, a new age. Women are free, man. What, what are you doing? This is why I don't like the church. It just constantly wants to box women and tell women what they can and cannot do. But this is not what Scripture is doing. What Scripture is doing here is liberating women even more and liberating men even more. And how is it doing that? By saying to you that there is a distinct role given to a man and a woman. For example, those of us who are fathers... And those of us who are mothers, you would agree, whether you're saved or lost, you would agree. A man should not be a mother to his son. He must be a father. This is why he is a man. So you teach your sons how to be a man. A woman should not be a man or father to her sons. No, she must be a mother. And in the role, you see how beautiful it is. 
Moms are nurturing and caring and loving. Fathers are too, but not as nurturing as mothers, right? So, so we, we tend to toughen our children up as fathers. We, we tend to do certain things, teach them work ethic as fathers. We see the roles. There are different roles with a mother and a father. And even in this lost world, they're saying, yes, the roles are needed. And friends, in the church, those roles are needed as well. They're needed. So when you observe the home, that a father is supposed to be the head of the home, in the church, the men are called to be the head. And when I mean the head, Jesus is the governing head, but they are called to be the under-shepherd. We have this principle as well in Scripture. Notice with me very carefully, friends, what Scripture is doing here. When you observe the biblical connection here between the home and the church, it's amazing. Think with me very carefully. When a man is called to be the head of the home, he's not called to lead chauvinistically, but he's called to lead obediently. He's called to love sacrificially, and he's called to serve diligently. This is what it means to be the head of the church, a head of the, the home. But coming closer, don't miss this. I want you to get this. There's a connection. Even when he is the head of the home, he makes decisions with his wife. He loves his wife. He loves his children. He loves sacrificially. And when you look at the church, there is a great connection here. That God has called a man to be a pastor of pastors within the local church. Let me give you some examples here. Notice with me of the qualifications of an elder. One of the things that he mentions there is that he must be a one-woman man. Well, if that's a woman, he wouldn't say that, right? But he, here in the qualification, he says, if you are called to be an elder, you must be a one-woman man. Who is he talking to? A man. And this here deals more with the quality of marriage than the quantity of marriage. Yes, God is against having a plurality or, or several wives, right? A man who is in a polygamous relationship. There's no doubt he's against that. But here specifically, the apostle is dealing more with the quality of marriage. That you love your wife deeply. That you care for her. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But notice here in the qualification, he talks about a one-woman man in verse 2. Then he says, another qualification, which is in verse 4. He must manage his household. You see, again, the qualification points to a man and not a woman. And God is not saying here that women are less than men. No, he's saying the role of a pastor should be that of a man. Because there's a connection with what's at home and what's in the church. Jesus, in his ministry, notice he chose 12 apostles. Were any of them women? No. Apostles are very similar to that of pastors. The major difference was that they were what? eyewitnesses of Christ, and they wrote Holy Scripture. But the roles are similar to some degree. But he chose 12 apostles, and they were men. But throughout Scripture, Jesus loved women. Women had ministry positions with him, but not pastors. 
As a matter of fact, Jesus was going with what Scripture says in Genesis chapter 1 through chapter 2. Talks about the role of the man, Adam, and how he ought to lead his wife. Ephesians chapter 5 talks about the role of the man and the woman in the home. That men are supposed to be the head of the home. And women are called to submit to the man. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, these are all passages of Scripture that talks about the role within the home. And so it must be the role within the church. Friends, I absolutely love this passage of Scripture because it talks about who ought to lead. Now stop. Does it mean that women cannot lead in the local church? No. That's not right. That's not what I'm saying. Women can lead in the local church. Women can lead as deacons in the local church, as we see later on in the text. Women can lead as doing different ministries in the local church. But what it means here is that a woman cannot be a pastor. Well, Kevin, you don't get it. All around town and different churches, there are women that are pastors. I mean, you mean they're wrong? Yes, they're wrong. How do you know this, Kevin? Based on what Scripture is saying. God has called a man to lead in the local church, not women. With that said, let's transition to the next point here. He says, if anyone, any man, masculine, aspires to be an elder. Notice the word aspire here. It is rare in the New Testament. And the word mentioned is mentioned only three times in the entire New Testament. And the word means to reach out, to stretch one's self. So this is, this is the qualification here that might not pertain to all of you, okay? This pertains to only those who desire to be an elder. They have this burning desire in their hearts to love God and love God's people. They cannot stop thinking about it. They think to themselves, maybe I can work at Burger King and it will be easier. But God says, no, this is the holy ambition that I'm giving you. To love God's people and to love me. To serve me. So here, he uses the word that basically means to stretch oneself. There is this dichotomy in them on a consistent basis, this struggle that says, God, I want to love you. I want to love you. I want to do what you say. But God, I know the world is saying this is better. But God gives them this holy ambition. This is what the word aspire here means. To love God and love God's people. It is not an aspiration of the world. Where some say to themselves, I want to be a pastor just because I can get up and preach to a bunch of people. And I look at them and I say, man, this is only, this, this is the easiest part of ministry. It's getting up there and preaching. It's the easiest part. You know what, you know what the difficult part is? Is when you get down, you have to counsel people, you have to talk to people, you have to, you have to deal with people, right? So that guys I went to seminary with, and they were like, look, I don't want to preach yet. I don't want to go to churches yet. I just want to get my PhD. And when I get my PhD, I want to be in this large church, and I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to write books, and people are going to talk about me. That's the wrong aspiration. 
The aspiration here is the same that God gave Jeremiah, the whipping prophet, to love God's people even when they come against you. To love God even when it's not popular to do so. Kent Hughes states, a presumptuous desire for position is reason for automatic disqualification. If you're spying in the wrong way, automatic disqualification. Such ambition indicates that a man does not understand either the job or what will be required personally and professionally. This, this, is, this is not a game. It's, it's not. It's not just come up here and preach. And No, man, there's just this struggle on an everyday basis. But at the same time, there is this joy that God gives to pastor God's people and to love God, to think deeply, to stay up at night thinking of your problems and your issues when you are sleeping. <laughs> How does that work? They're sleeping, but I'm up at night thinking of their problems. <laughs> this is the holy ambition that God gives. So if you don't care for people, you shouldn't be an elder. You should not. I met up with a pastor recently who says to me, man, I'm at the point right now in my ministry where I do not want to even talk to people. I get up here and I preach. I lead my large staff. But I have no desire to meet up with them and talk about their problems. All it's going to do is cause more depression in my own life, and I don't want this. And I'm like, this is the problem with American churches today, right? The larger we can get, we, we run the church like a, a CEO company, like, like, you know, like this, this Fortune 500 company where, where the guys on top never meet the ones at the bottom. This is not the church. The pastors always stay at the bottom. We weep with you. We cry. We laugh with you. This is what biblical pastoring is. This is what aspiring to the position is not for popularity or for fame but for pain pain with you notice this next point the next point biblical elders must be called by God to the position of eldership and I love this because he talks about aspiring and desiring this noble task right God, God gives you this aspiration. It's a true godly aspiration. So come in closer and pay close, close attention to this. I have it up there for you to read. A true godly aspiration and desire to be an elder is given by God. God calls a man to be an elder or pastor, not man. So don't care if your daddy or your granddaddy was the pastor of the church. And he says to you, I'm going to give you the... No! No! Man doesn't call a pastor. God calls a pastor. Godly leaders are not produced by Bible colleges or seminaries. No. They only equip them with the tools needed to do the work of the ministry. Nor do committees or elder boards or, or even the congregation... 
make men ready for the ministry. No. They only have the responsibility to recognize those who are already called by God. Your job on the 29th of January is not to make elders or call elders. Your job is to only affirm what God is doing. So when these men become elders here in this church, it wasn't your doing. It was God. This is easy for you. All you have to do is to recognize if God is calling these men into this position. That's it. Recognize it. We do not make elders or deacons or even leaders. Biblical leaders are made only by God. Friends, only the Holy Spirit can produce, call, and effectively equip a spiritual leader. Please get this. Please. There are schools that guys say, well, you know, I just I want to be a leader, so I got to go here and here and do this and do that and whatever. No, no, no. You go to seminary because a calling is upon you. And seminary only gives you the tools that you need to be able to effectively do the work of the ministry that God has called you. And the Spirit of God is using the seminary to effectively use you and equip you. Thank God for seminaries. Thank God for Bible colleges. But God is the one who calls leaders. Don't miss this. And notice what Paul mentions here. That he must aspire to the office of an overseer. I love this. I absolutely love this. Because notice what the Apostle Paul is doing here. In some translation, the word elder, bishop, are used interchangeably. In some denominations, they would say, here is a pastor who is at the bottom, or actually an elder is at the bottom. Then there is a pastor who is in the middle, and then there is a bishop. That's the highest office you can attain. And the problem with that is that Scripture never use those titles to be able to to distinguish someone in that way those those words three words are used interchangeably in scripture they mean the same thing a bishop is a pastor an overseer is a pastor and an elder is a pastor let me give you a few examples of that for example in acts chapter 20 verse 17 we have here it mentions from now from Meletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. So they are called elders here in Acts chapter 20, verse 17. A few verses later, Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Notice what he calls them, an elders. But see what he says here. Pray carefully or pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. He's talking to the same group of people here. So, so in verse 17, he calls them elders. And in verse 28, he calls them overseer. Let me give you another example of this. In Titus chapter 1, verse 5, he says, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So he's saying appoint elders. So Paul, 
what are the qualification of those elders? And he tells us in, Acts, in Titus chapter 1, verse 7. Two verses later, he says, for an overseer. So he doesn't call them elder in verse 7. He called them elder in verse 5. And then he called them overseer in verse 7. You see it. These words are used interchangeably in Scripture to describe a pastor. So, so they're not elders at the bottom, pastors in the middle, and bishop at the very top. No. It's a pastor. It's an elder. It's a bishop. So let me explain these words to you. The word elder in the Greek language is presbyteros. This is where we get our word, our English word presbyter from. So an elder is not an old person. And this is a misconception that we would have. So in some churches, they will say there is the elders of the church. And you would ask, can I see the elders of the church? And there are a lot of old people. So they made it on the elder board for one main reason, because they're old. So they say they are the elders of the church. This is not what the office of an elder is. It's not about your age. It's about your calling that God has called you to be a pastor. So when scripture talks about an elder, the office of an elder, he's talking specifically about a pastor. Every time you see it in scripture where it pertains to the office of an elder, he's talking about a pastor. We see this in Acts chapter 5 verse 21. Acts chapter 25 verse 15. A bishop is the word overseer. So every time you see overseer in scripture, it's interchangeable with the word overseer and bishop. The same thing. This is it's the, it's the Greek word episkopos, which is where we get our English word episcopal from. The word means overseer or garden, guard, guardian, that you guard people. You give oversight to the flock of God. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, he uses the word overseer. The third word used in scripture to describe the office of a pastor is the word poimen. This is where we get our English word shepherd from or even pastor from. And this is used throughout scripture as well. Friends, I absolutely love what he's doing here because every term here describes a different function of a pastor. It describes a pastor but it gives a different function of a pastor. Are you ready for this? Come in closer and write this down. The word elder describes the spiritual maturity of a pastor. That he's called to be spiritually mature. So every time he talks about an elder, it pertains to his spiritual maturity. Not his age. Because Timothy was an elder, right? And he was young. And Paul says, do not allow anyone to look down upon your age. You're an elder. But Timothy was spiritually mature. So it describes the spiritual maturity of a pastor. The word overseer emphasizes the authority and leading function of the pastor. The authority and leading function of the pastor. And the word pastor or shepherd describes the feeding function of the shepherding of a pastor. He feeds the people of God. 
He gives oversight to the people of God. He lives a holy life before the people of God. Do you get it? So he's an elder, he's an overseer bishop, and he is a pastor. In closing, I want to read this to you. George Lydell wrote this. Give me a man of God, one man whose faith is master of his mind, and I will right all wrongs and bless the name of all mankind. Give me a man of God, one man whose tongue is touched with heaven's fire, and I will flame the darkest hearts with high resolve and clean desire. Give me a man of God, one man, one mighty prophet of the Lord, and I will give you peace on earth, but with a prayer and not a sword. Give me a man of God, one man, true to the vision that he sees, and I will build your broken shrines and bring the nations to their knees. This is what we are asking for. Bring a plurality of man, God, on fire for you to bring accountability to one another, accountability to the church, to lead your church in a very perverse world. Your responsibility is to pray, pray, pray. And also when the time comes on the 29th, to affirm what God is doing in the lives of these men. They're not perfect. None of us are. But God has called us to do this. God has called you to be a part of this. So friends, in the coming weeks, we will look at the qualification of a pastor and the qualification of a deacon. So join me. Pray for me. Pray for these potential elders and deacon. Pray for the church that we will have biblical leadership and move in the right direction that God is calling us to go in.